0: Hot round, Red 7! Red 7! Red 7! Don. What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot route! I don't. What is hot route?
1: Will you just go stand on the other side, please?
0: Billy Bob! This is
1: it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big Bob halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation
0: of Porter Rizone. Oh, That's what we call a sack lunch. Mm, nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get
1: me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Oh, are you
0: gonna get me the oh, ball? Ball. 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 ball? I'm gonna get this you the ball! Hope he didn't kill somebody. Welcome back to Eleven Personnel. It's Feels good to be back here talking with Adam Luckett. We're not in person. We're talking far and a lot's changed since the last time we talked football, Adam Luckett. I can't I don't think I'm allowed to open the show with Michael H memes anymore. <laughs> hey man. First
1: of all, congratulations, Nick.
0: Thank uh, you, thank you.
1: Dad Strength, how, how do you feel like Superman walking around?
0: I really do, man. My mustache is so much fuller than it was before. Like it's it's incredible the transformation. So I, I'm very happy. Baby Duke is very healthy and it's it's been a wild ride. Um and I'm 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 excited to kind of get into a new routine. We finally got the other routine going. So, you know, baby's asleep right now. Bath time's in about two hours, so we can't go more than two hours like it. Okay, I don't think we'll have that problem. This isn't a Bill Simmons
1: podcast, so it doesn't run extra long. <laughs> but yeah, man,
0: congratulations. Glad to be back. It felt weird not being able to podcast and talk football there for a couple weeks. I know, man. And I was bummed because we were, we actually were sk- scheduled to record two podcasts the day that Brooke, uh, my wife, started like, uh oh, it's happening. Like <laughs> we we better get ready. So I spent the whole day um getting this BB and Jam stuff ready. So th- uh, that's kind of been rolling in perpetuity without me. Uh, have you enjoyed the BB and Jam tournament at a bucket? Yes, it has been interesting. Those graphics we got are pretty sweet, man. Oh yeah, and I can't take any credit for that. That was all Tyler. And I'm actually ashamed to admit that I didn't even notice the KSR in the background until recently. Um <laughs> but uh i i thought that was that's a fun kind of thing to do during our um however you want, our, our quarantine times but I, the, I i don't want to get too into the weeds cuz this is a football podcast but i'm surprised at some of the early returns like it because there are a couple teams in here that like like nobody gave New Orleans and Archie Goodwin a shot at beating Shepard and Muhammad, but I think that's a weak number one seed, the 1998 national championship team.
1: Mm -hmm. I think you, with anything you do like this, obviously the people going to be voting for the most part are a little bit younger, Mm -hmm. so you can get some recency bias just because some of the young bucks don't remember back in the day, but... Yeah, it's been interesting just to see interesting just to see everybody's kind of take on that and just coming up with the duos was a see that in was in and of itself.
0: Man, okay. I, I wanna just cause we were talking about this when I, I was trying to figure them out. Because hey, I kinda miss having your favorite players stick around for a little while. Like it was kind of cool to be like, Oh, Tony Duke was the leading scorer for three years. Like Jamal Mashburn was mm-hmm. awesome for three years. But like trying to get Players in certain years figured out right. Like, do you put Derek Anderson on his 97 team, even though he didn't finish the season? Like, and that was the story of the year. Can you get? I wanted to put Tayshawn and Bogans together, but then you made the 03 team suck, and that was maybe Tubby's best team. So, like, it was tough. It was tough. Yeah.
1: I mean, for Cal, that era is easier because the players are usually only there one season. Mm-hmm. But when you get some players that stick around for a little bit, it can be a little
0: tough trying to get the right duos. Two two duos I wanted to point out, though, that I think might be – I, I see to them based on how they finish the year, um, just their teams in general. But two duos that I think are going to be underrated and underappreciated. Travis Ford and Jamal Mashburn. And in 1993, that Final Four team, Patino's first. And the P.J. Washington and Tyler Hero. I think P.J. Washington and Tyler Hero should beat Davis and MKG. Like, they should. If this was the NBA Jam video game, those two were beating Davis and MKG all day. Just back to the Mashburn. I think people
1: our age and younger don't really appreciate just how good he was. Like, he was like a 20-10 and 10 guy like a friend, as a freshman in college. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and he and, was –
0: He's a top five scorer in school history. Like, talk he's about awesome.
1: That, yeah, I mean, we talk about that '92 team and the story of the Unforgettables, but I mean, the reason they were able to do all that was because Mashburn carried them. Yeah, and then he, he ended, put the
0: team on his back. In a 93 and really, team that
1: really that '93 team was good, but I mean, they just—I mean, Mashburn was—he was the star.
0: It was him and Travis Ford, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and I guess I think they had a freshman Roderick Rhodes on that team. Uh, freshman Tony Delk, freshman Walter McCarty. Yeah, who are, you know, fine. obviously better than the Unforgettables. No offense to all of our Unforgettable lovers. But, dude, the only reason why they lost in 92 and 93 was because Mashburn fouled out of the game. Like, as soon as they fouled out, the game was yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. If he, he doesn't foul <laughs> out, it's probably a wholly different story for sure.
1: But anyway, yeah, man, but, we got to get on Leach, All right. We
0: yeah. Start yeah off, we, every
1: podcast, this has become quite a tradition. And who – I mean, were you really surprised? I mean, when I saw no, it, I was and, like, well, that's about par for the course. Well, and here's the here's the
0: problem though, Luckett, is that like I was, I mean, part of this is I'm like, in, I was in sleep deprived mode that first few days, dude. It when when you wake up to a baby crying, it will terrify you. Um, <laughs> but it like when I saw it, I was just like, oh, classically, that's funny. And I just it didn't register to me like, ooh, you can't do a noose in Mississippi. Like that's bad, just bad, not good. Yeah, I mean,
1: if it looks like a dog, walks like a dog, barks like a dog, it's probably going to do some, you know, stuff. Like Leach, that's his identity, the quirky old weird guy. And you you stick him in Lubbock, Texas, West Texas. You stick him in Pullman, Washington, middle of nowhere on the border of Idaho. Washington, Idaho border. Like that that stuff, like it just kind of gets caught up in the watch there. But like mm-hmm. we talked about in the SEC at Mississippi State Man, it's just different because of the fishbowl how much coverage this area gets. So I wasn't surprised. I think that's gonna be something he's gonna have to like learn to adjust. And they did you see the statement that I believe their A D made or that their statement was yeah, it was like he's gotta yeah, learn the cultural <laughs> the cultural atmosphere <laughs> or whatever
0: here in Starkville. Oh, they're sending him to, like, the Mississippi uh, Civil Rights Museums as, like, punishment. Which, like, honestly, I can't think of any, uh, like, that. that's not punishment. Like, ooh, Mike Leach has to go to a museum. Like, dude, that guy's going to love it. He freaking loves museums. That's his cup of tea. I just, the, the one kid who decommitted, uh, love it. I believe is his was name. was transferred. He transferred. He committed to Florida State today. He was a grad transfer. Defense line. Yeah, like. His his dad was like, "We can't. I I don't trust a leader who's just gonna, um, uh, you know, throw anything out there like that." Uh, he said, "I feel if he can do it, the kids are going to feel like they can do it." That's kind of Leach's mo, though. It's just like it's at the whims of whatever. It's willy nilly, and it's going to get him in trouble. I did not foresee this, though. Luckett as noose meme being Mike Leach's first stumbling block to returning to the SEC. I didn't either. But I was not surprised. Oh man, it's unfortunate. And I but, think we've like,
1: seen him kind of take a step back and pump the brakes on some of these tweets he's been sending out.
0: Yeah, oh, definitely. And and you know what though, like uh, I don't think he meant any harm from it either. No, he didn't. I think it's just well, he's exactly, trying to be
1: funny like, and he crossed the line by being funny guy.
0: Yeah, exactly. It, it's one of those two that like early Facebook you could get away with that now while everybody's on quarantine. It's like the dude in NASCAR who dropped the N-bomb. Mm-hmm. Like, do you, A, you can't say, obviously you can't say that anywhere, but like the timing of it, you're stuck in the news cycle, man. Like, I'm sure that, I, I wasn't listening to Paul Feinbaum the day that this meme went out, but I'm sure it was number one topic of conversation because there's literally nothing else to talk about. Yeah, I mean, you just, the NASCAR, that's a, that's a different. Banging it <laughs> yeah but, oh yeah it's it's a whole different scale but it's it's kind of these football coaches they're now the kind of only source of news because we don't have sports so when they talk stuff happens and and you know what another another one of our guys he he opened his big mouth and he got into a little bit of trouble too Mike Gundy Dude, Mike, Gundon.
1: are we surprised again? Again, <laughs> I hate to go to this, but are we surprised the mullet head coach was the one that came out and said that?
0: No, none at all. And <laughs> and like it's one of those things too that I read it and I wish I could have heard it the first time I read it because I'm sure he like they said his opening statement was just like 20 minutes of him just preaching to nobody. These football coaches too, when they get on these conference calls and they're not in front of podiums. They just feel like they can talk for an indefinite amount of time, and they're bound to just say something stupid. Even our guy Stoops went long on his.
1: Oh man, He's got the Stoosh longest not, filibuster. Stoops is not something did. I thought I'd see during the quarantine. <laughs> he
0: he he went on for quite a long time, but in Gundy's case, Gundy's like, "Why I can't see us? Why we're not we're not going back to it?" I mean the state economic like that that was the part where it's like oh buddy Yeah. He <laughs> just bring well, up like... it just
1: opens the uh the bottle on the pay for pay for play truthers the pay oh. for play you know media the fire starting media uh just to, i think what lead, or excuse me i think what gundy was trying to do is I think a sense that a lot of people have like we're currently in our, this lockdown state, like eventually people are going to be like, all right, like it's been three, four months now. Like I can't, like, we can't, we can't stay in this house too much longer. Like we have to get, (laughs) we have to try to get back to some level of normalcy. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what to a point, I think that's what Gundy was
0: trying to say
1: or get across he just, he just botched the, the delivery
0: of the message. Well, when, and that's what it was. He he got to talking for like 20 minutes and nobody was stopping him. Mm-hmm. He didn't have yeah. some PR person like, Mike, cut got it. Because he brought up the like, well, you know, we got some old people in our facility. We can get some younger ones. You know, <laughs> they'll be fine. Right, yeah. And like, it was wow. the old, uh, you know,
1: they're 21, 22. If one gets sick, we can quarantine him for a week or two and then get back in it and...
0: We quarantine them already, like yeah, like, oh, yeah That's Mike. what he
1: said. We quarantined them already when they have the flu. It just <laughs> it comes off as a jackass, uh, to put it bluntly. But and I do think there's a sense for that, and as we get further along, like people eventually, there's going to be a pushback, and I think we're going to get into that when we think football is going to start. Eventually, yeah. there's going to be you know everybody's obeying right now for the most part, I think. But eventually, I think the public itself is going to be like okay, like, are we going to do this forever? Like, eventually people have to get back to work, have to get well, out of their house.
0: And in, in, in to your point earlier, like, he opened up that Pandora's box with the, uh, you know, the economy's got to get back going. And Right, yeah, but exactly. That, but that, that's ultimately the biggest benefit to will we actually have college football or not. Um, John Clay, he did a media poll with, like, the most random media folks you can imagine from, like, Chuck Culpepper, I mean, just, it was a, a wide, he cast a very wide net with people that he follows, and the general consensus, there was, like, three or four that were, like, nope, not happening, and then there were, like, you know, maybe four or five who said, okay, it's going to happen on time, but almost everybody else, including myself, said that it'll probably be delayed, but it will get played because, college football pays for so much it, it just it, it's basically almost every athletic program's entire budget for the year and to go a year without college football would just be disastrous fiscally economically for the states for the athletic programs for the universities and we haven't gotten to a breaking point uh, by any means like it's still a ways away um, but there's a I I think that's one thing for college football fans out there that like, okay, we can, they're going to do whatever they can to play this season in some form or fashion because there's so much at stake with college football, um, even more so than the NCAA tournament. Right. First things first, I want to
1: say, like, no one knows. We, I mean, we're still like, this is uncharted territory. We're all still trying to figure out. Nobody knows. But I think right. the best thing when you start looking towards the future is the PGA Tour is planning on having all their big events in the fall. The NFL, I mean, they're operating as normal, other than the I mean, other than going virtual for the draft, but everything else is still scheduled. Major League Baseball is planning on starting up, I believe, starting the season in June. So mm-hmm. that right there tells me like those leagues think or they at least are operating in a fashion that will tell you that they think we're going to be able to do that by the fall. So I think that's that's the first good sign if you're looking for good signs.
0: Ooh, and to add to that good sign, uh, Georgia, Alabama, the same day as Master Saturday. Oh, oh, we,
1: we can get into all how this, how, this, uh, <laughs> how this coronavirus can be kind of a blessing in disguise as a sports fan if we are able to get back to normal. Because of this jam-packed, loaded schedule,
0: it's going to oh, give, yeah.
1: give us. I'm just going. To, oh, our, I might not be sleeping very much there for about oh, three or four
0: months. The eyes are going to be bleeding from watching right. nonstop sports. <laughs> and just, I've been thinking about this myself.
1: The college game day, they're going to have opportunities to do some stuff this year, like, like. Nick, if we if the season kicks off on time, why wouldn't game day go to the infield for derby? Dude,
0: that would be so awesome. I mean,
1: oh, they could do can't they could do imagine. a Thursday show, Louisville at NC State, and then they can do an infield derby. They could do half infield, half Millionaires Row.
0: I mean, because Herb Street
1: Herb Street goes to the derby every year, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, he's a big uh, big horse racing huge yeah they uh they owned a horse that ran oaks day last year yeah and i think it was called like herbie or something like that right
1: and then why the, and then like you just mentioned masters like that like it'd be weird it being at augusta because you couldn't have the crowd or the signs or
0: anything but it might just be like a one-time thing let's just do it well svp's there he can just be like a, a part of the like he can be the remote masters portion of it so you like Go from, like, crazy, roll tide, to, like, cum, pine needles, birds tweeting in the background, Scott Van Pelt, Andy right, the masters. Or you could do, like, you could do
1: a half and half episode, have half in Georgia, in Athens, and have the other half in Augusta, I guess. Oh, man. Just food for thought.
0: Man, I can see, and this is, this is getting me excited. And it's kind of, it's kind of like an article I read today, too, where, like, once since we have so much time on our hands, like once one seed gets planted, you just the hamster wheels are just burning and turning and your mind just goes crazy. Because Pete Thamel, he he wrote an article about one of the unintended consequences from this is it could push us closer to an 18 playoff sooner Um just from the. So. Just from a financial standpoint. And he he listed off kind of like all the things that forced college football to make changes in the past. Um, Like the All-SEC-BCS final kind of directly led to the playoff. And Mm -hmm. how the bowl alliance messed up in the 90s led to the BCS. This could be the financial losses that the NCAA had from a basketball standpoint. They could recoup. By getting more revenue from the college football playoff, because that's the only money they make outside of what the conferences get for their TV deals. Because Bowls Bowls make all the money; uh, they're independently owned, and hell, ESPN owns like half of them. Yeah, um, but more than that, yeah, they own a ton of them. And essentially, the uh, he talked to this anonymous uh, athletic director who said of, of a perennial top twenty program, who said something along the lines of like. Essentially, these bowls are in the NIT right now. Like, we need to get it more towards the NCAA model of things. And that could push us closer to an A game playoff in as soon as two years by 2022. Adam Luckett, would you like to see an eight-team playoff in two years? I've gone back and forth
1: on it. I think eight might be a little too much, but I do think just the day or the weekend you would play those first, like, one, one versus eight. I guess quarterfinals, two versus seven, mm-hmm. three versus six, four versus five. I think that would be oh. just insane. I, and to do it on the, like, right, if the they would time. do it on the right day, because we have seen they have botched the timing of these games with the playoff not being played on New Year's every day and
0: the sugar and bowl on New Year's Eve. Well, yeah, yes. I mean it's yes.
1: majority Rose Bowl. I mean that's yeah. that's the issue they have to get through, but like. Looking long term, that's where it's headed. So, yeah, I mean, would I want that? Hell yeah! Let's. I mean, that'd be that'd be fun <laughs> as hell.
0: <laughs> but Especially I, if they get yeah. get them to host the first four. Like if you had, well, yeah, just a yes,
1: because we don't get that enough. Now the non conference games at home, like go, playing at other stadiums, just to right, ha- yeah. just to have that, I
0: think would be incredible. Like, you know, uh, imagine uh, Alabama hosting Notre Dame right? or, uh, you know, uh, Michigan going to Death Valley to play LSU. Like, I know the one versus eight games would be bad, but you know what? We have a bad game every year. Whoever Oklahoma's playing, they get their ass kicked every yeah. year. So, like, to say that it's going to be more bad games, I'm not buying it. It's essentially just making the New Year's Six bigger. And you know what? If it just they're still gonna have those other bowl games, so that just means more football for the rest of us to watch. And people are gonna watch it. Yeah, I think or I don't think. I would hope that
1: this would maybe end the there's the too much there's too many bowl games because I would kill for a random ass bowl game right now. I would kill for oh, a uh, smoothie king Dude. Frisco Bowl
0: right now. Oh imagine remember the, the uh the Serve Pro Bowl that got cancelled, like it never happened? Yes. <laughs> like what what if they actually did play it and we had never seen it and we mm-hmm. can see it now? Like I would watch Boise State versus um, Oklahoma State in a heartbeat. Give okay. me that right now. I
1: have last year. Here's what the playoff would have looked like if it was eight teams. Okay. Memphis at LSU. Uh, good luck, Memphis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, they score points. Uh, they Baylor at o- Baylor at Ohio State. That would got pretty ugly. Yeah. yeah. Oregon at Clemson. Oregon could have that probably could be... out for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But where you in Oklahoma versus Georgia? I mean, LSU, they killed – I mean, LSU. Last year was a little different because LSU was so good. I think LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson, and I think you can include Alabama in there, were just a lot better than everybody else. But, that that's, that I mean, that's what it looked like. You get some cool kind of matchups.
0: Like yeah, Oregon I mean, coming uh, across the country to play in Death Valley. Ooh, there would be the storyline, it would be like when Oregon went to Durham for the 1942 Rose Bowl and -hmm. played Duke. That that would definitely, there would be a Tom and Aldi story on College Game Day, like, taking it back to 1942, which, by the way, uh, former beat writer, uh, Jen Smith, her granddad, I believe, played in that bowl game. Is that right? Yeah, he played for uh, Duke, I believe, um, before going and fighting in the war, which... That was kind of crazy reading about that game. Like Wallace Wade was like, "All right, well, we played the game. Now let's go fight for our country." Like, what a, who, times were uh, certainly and different. That's a quick pivot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go from a football game to killing Nazis. And which I have I've been a... watching.
1: Go ahead. I've been watching
0: a lot of. Ki- I've been watching a lot of killing Nazi stuff during my quarantine times, like that Hunter's show on Amazon. Great show. Just because killing Nazis, you know, what's not good about killing Nazis?
1: Yeah, we've been doing a lot of streaming here. We've also been doing a lot of walking.
0: Mm, Yes. To
1: pass the time. Our dogs, me and Taylor, have been walking our dog Merle just about every day.
0: Merle's probably fit right now. Probably his best fitness he's ever been in.
1: Yeah, he's he's moving pretty good right about now. (laughs)
0: Nice, nice.
1: But I have another way I think it might change this whole thing, Nick. Ooh, ooh, okay. Hit me. Like, I think we're going to – we're going to – let's just picture this. Let's Say we get back and go on. I think they're going to do something, if they can, to make up for the Miss Spring practice time. Mm -hmm. So either they're going to have, like, maybe an OTA, like the NFL does, where they pretty much come in and practice in, like, shells for Mm -hmm. a week or two, or they're going to do an extended fall camp. And if we do that extended fall camp, with you uh, teams lost the spring game potential revenue they got. Why not let teams, if they wanted to, play a local FCS team in a scrimmage oh. at the stadium? Oh yes, like yes. See, why not let them play EKU? Yes,
0: and then if like this, spring, the spring game they didn't have.
1: Do you know? Yeah. Well, do you know what the NFL does? And the, they have these mixed uh, mixed mix practices, and then and then they'll play like a scrimmage at the end. I say yeah, yes. maybe let them practice a couple times against each other, and then play and abbreviate a game at Kroger Field or something where people can go on a Saturday.
0: Man, uh, and if that
1: if that works, why not just do it where they play an actual FBS team in the future? Like, if that works, I think it's I think it's a really good idea. And I think potentially if it works well, it could if you could pay enough pay those FCS schools enough, it could be a way to take them off the FCS teams off the schedule, but still allow them to make money in a certain way.
0: Because Yeah, because because like all these conferences want to go to nine conference games anyway. Right. And like so you know, And well
1: attendance just in general, they're struggling a little bit. This is one way to have a game where you're gonna get the diehards and the junkies in there, twenty, thirty thousand, just to see,
0: you know, a practice, yeah. pretty much. Well, and then at the big schools too, you're getting eighty-five, ninety. So right. like, right? Hell yeah! What can, like, you know what? Why? Like Ohio
1: then, State? Why don't they play Youngstown State? Kentucky can play EKU. Louisville can play Murray or something. Alabama yeah. can play. I think it's Alabama State or North Alabama. You know, or Stanford, yeah, something like schools. that. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. That, I don't think that would be hard to do. Now, I don't think everybody could do it, mm-hmm. but I think teams who wanted to, I think they could definitely
0: pull that off. You get Coach O to play his alma mater. The uh, is it Northwestern State? Yeah, Northwestern State. North- yeah, Northwestern State. State. The yeah. Red Devils, I think, is their name, or the.
1: They're the something Devils. We'll look that up I, here.
0: I remember their logo from my first video game, College Football, nineteen ninety eight. It had Tim, I, I just ran Tim Couch, those so it deep to Craig East every single play.
1: It's a good strategy.
0: Yeah. I mean, it works most of the time. So.
1: Their mascot's yeah. name is Vic the Demon. They're the Demons. Ah, man. We're close. close. They're purple yeah. and white. Purple Demons.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: But I just think, man, I just think stuff like that, I think college sports in general, like I think basketball could do a lot more stuff like that. Like, these, these quiet scrimmages they're having, like, some schools, Kentucky's not really doing it, but we hear about Jeff Goodman tweets out, oh, Ohio State beat Louisville in the secret scrimmage. Why why aren't we letting fans go into those games
0: and well, pay money and,
1: for, the, you know? And, like, what's the point?
0: And you know what? I know that not every team can afford an international trip in August, but they should be able to have their own mini camp on campus and play against, you know, have a round robin. Like, right. there's there, why that isn't a thing? I mean, hell, volleyball gets a spring season, right, and they play against other teams. Why can't basketball do it too? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we're just, you know what, lookit, you, you you separate us for a couple of weeks, and we put our brains together, and all of a sudden. I've been brainstorming over here. Freaking knowledge comes out. I also have another scenario.
1: Let's say the schedule do, does get delayed. I think the most they could probably delay it is three or four weeks. And imagine this scenario, Mr. Roush. Kentucky's first three weeks. The schedule the schedule doesn't start until week four. So that they'd be playing Murray State week one pretty much first game. Those three game, you, those three games are, we, are moved to the end of the season. Okay. So everybody's so what would be week, I guess, ten or eleven or whatever would be at your actual week one opponent. So Kentucky season would get shifted around where they would play Louisville. On you know Thanksgiving Saturday, but then the next week, that December first Saturday in December, they would play let me,
0: Central Michigan
1: or uh, no, uh, yeah,
0: Eastern Michigan, Eastern Michigan, and then you get Florida on the back end.
1: You would get Florida as your last game, and just imagine this scenario: Kentucky, <laughs> damn near Christmas, <laughs> finally gets <laughs> to go, finally gets to go to the swamp in cold weather. Decent, hopefully, some cold weather. And if they win, 60. they go to the SEC championship. <laughs> We've, a whole life we had to go to that game when it's ten trillion degrees. Oh, just sweat! Imagine the scenario where an SEC's title is on or not, SEC East title is on the line, and you finally get to play Florida in Man.
0: decent weather. And you know what? Uh, I know we're going to talk about this a lot, but if you look at the, the win totals, Vegas thinks that Florida is just as much of the team to beat as Georgia. My takeaway from more so. my take away from that is Florida is the favorite in the East. And, and you know what? That, everybody always, like, I, I said this a year ago, that the Florida game was n- not just because it was on the road, but like Florida just in general scares me more than what Georgia has. Uh, they got Kyle Trask back. Um, Tony is still there. Like, Florida has a lot. I think and... it's
1: more people getting bored with Georgia. If you look, Georgia has been there. What you know, You're know, you talking about three years in a row now where they've mm-hmm. been legit uh, national championship contender for the most part, but they haven't been able to get over the hump. I think it's more to do with some Georgia boredom than, yeah, and, than and, actual and Florida. Because I think this – I think this Florida team is going to take a little bit of a step back this season from last year's team. When I when yeah. I've looked at them on paper, yeah. Well, because I I mean, you remember how big I was on all those receivers they had last year, right? Right, and they're most of them all right. those guys are gone. That their, their O line low key kind of stunk last year. I mean, I don't see them taking a huge jump forward when I kind of look at their players there. The defense uh, lost a, is going to lose a lot. You look at Grenard's gone, CJ Henderson.
0: Um, so there's def- gone too. Saniga's
1: gone. So yeah, yeah. So I'm just I'm pumping the brakes a little bit on that on on the Florida hype. I know that, but we need to get ready for them being. I mean, they've already they're already hyping up themselves. Uh, oh there. yeah, yeah. But they I mean they, they that, legit that train they, is- yeah. Going off the tracks, out of control. And by the time we get close to the season, they're going to be – I mean, I'm serious. I think they're going to be close to kind of a consensus pick to win the East
0: and to beat Georgia. Ooh, Dark Horse national title contender. Can Dan Mullen get get Florida back to to the national – yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, they want Mullen to be – I mean, they're really pushing Mullen to be like he's the next Spurrier Urban. People like him, though, and I mean – like uh, I think when our guys Bear and Stanford Steve, when they went through their coaches, like their five favorites, Mullen was one of them, and you can't help but respect him for what he. I mean, he did that at Arkansas. But
1: for the first time in his career, he's entering a season as a legit top five, top six contender. We haven't seen him in that in that space yet. So how how yeah. does how does that? work
0: because even the year that they were number one for a couple weeks with Dak Prescott that wasn't a they came out of nowhere they
1: were unranked in the preseason they were undervalued and they just they took off like a rocket
0: there in the month of September oh good David Reese is gone too I hated that guy
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah well I mean it's still gonna be I'm not saying they're not gonna be good they're gonna be good but
0: I'm I'm not I'm
1: I'm not buying into that stock. I look at Georgia. This Georgia defense is going to be, yeah, flat out. They, na- they, I mean, flat out. I mean, like really, really, really nasty. Like well, one of the best we've seen
0: here recently. On the other hand, with Georgia though, they're they're losing a ton of. Like, they lost Thomas to the draft on the offensive line. They, the one kid that transferred. Pittman's to pittman has gone. The
1: coach is gone.
0: Yeah, Jake Fromm gone. You don't have DeAndre Swift. I don't yeah. even know who they're running. Third,
1: uh, third offensive coordinator in three seasons.
0: Yeah, so like th- there, there are definitely some reasons why you should have question marks of them mm-hmm. just offensively. Um, My only thing that game's at home.
1: Yeah, for, uh, for Kentucky, but yeah. the cocktail party, Georgia, Florida, comparing the two, Georgia still has better players, and they they have a week. Both teams have a week off before that game, so they both have two weeks to prepare. I'm just I'm just going. But Kirby hit or Kirby is kind of on Mullen to this point. In the last three season, he's beat him by double digits. I'm gonna take
0: every game. So you know what? I I, I this this is just uh, the light bulb behind my head just went off. Man, I I would yeah, you would really hate to see Dan Mullen pull a Jim Harbaugh. I mean, like oh, they're, yeah, they're both kind of dorks, but they're <laughs> tight khakis. But like, I could see it where like. They have similar careers. They both, have, they both have, where, have smartest guy
1: in the room syndrome,
0: where they, you know, what I'm saying,
1: and the, those are the worst. Those thriving. are the worst guys to deal with.
0: Okay, uh, uh, we we can get into more than win totals, but I just okay. the, the hardball thing popped into my head because last night or two nights ago or I don't know the days they're all running together. But one of these nights, I turned on Ohio State Michigan from 2016. And it was the year that uh, Harbaugh lost his mind on the spot of the ball. Uh, yeah, on the overtime. spot game. And, mm-hmm. Okay, here's here's one thing I, I want to say. Because I just have some random thoughts I want to spew out from watching random games. Because I, I, I'm sure, like you, like I've been watching a lot of old games. Dude, SEC Network, what the hell is your problem? ESPN, you suck. You suck at your jobs. You're terrible. Do what Big Ten Network. do. Yes, I, I was hoping you were going this. there. Dude, they, they, they! Oh my gosh! So what ESPN does when they play old games, they will skip uh, Dari. Not uh, now, I can't say his name. Dari, know, not, know, Dari, Noka Dari Noka will come on, and he'll say, "We now skip ahead in the action for time constraints." To tune ahead, and I just butchered whatever he says. But they just jump tons of time in action, and you miss plays for them to play the broadcast in its entirety. So, you sit through like official reviews and that freaking Belf Bowl game. It was like a five minute review because those big 12 officials sucked. Their process mm-hmm. for replay is garbage. We're sitting through all of that. Dude, that Ohio State Michigan game, I watched in an hour because it was the condensed replay. It was just the plays, and that's all I care about. I don't need to see all this other gimmicky bullcrap. Yeah, that's what yes. I could have used. I could have used one more replay. I had to keep rewinding to see the spot on that fourth down. Dude, Harbaugh should have gotten mad. That was such a home cooking call. He didn't <laughs> – JT Barrett did not get that first down in overtime. Michigan should have won that game. Yeah, but, but I didn't did get screwed there. And and I realized the reason why I didn't watch that game because I'm pretty sure that was the same day Lamar fumbled. I'm almost certain, in fact, that that was happening at the same time. Um, but, dude, as ESPN, what the hell are you doing? Give us condensed games or at least condense some of it. Do Go into the editing trucks. We don't need all that garbage. We just want to see the game, and we don't want to miss action for it. I can't believe I'm saying this like it, but the SEC needs to be more like the Big Ten. Yes, I've I've noticed that too. And I've caught myself
1: watching some of those Big Ten games. The, the, they're just an hour long. They re, And they speed up the plays too. Like you're not in the huddle. Like it's play, and then you're back mm-hmm. to the play. You're not sitting through the, the play clock. Yes, That's I think. Nice. Yes, I don't know. Like
0: – SEC Network has enough money. They need to figure figure out how to do that for sure. And it's not it's not that hard. It's just spending a little bit of time and in the, in the, not even editing truck. The people are at home with all this access. They can they can clip up some some gobbledygook, get it out of there. They already got to edit out parts anyways for Dari to come on and tell us we're skipping ahead in the action. So and I, I also think they need to do a better job of
1: like digging deep in the bank and pulling out some more random games. Oh, yeah. Like, there give was... me give me a 1994 – or give me 1995 Florida versus Tennessee. Give me 1997 yes. when Peyton Manning was Peyton. a senior. Everybody thought yes. he was going to win the Heisman, and Florida went in there and kicked his daggum butt in Nalen Stadium. <laughs> give, give me those games. Like, let's pull yes. – let's get a little deeper. Why the, it oh. seem like I'm watching the same six or seven games when they, when they go to these I replays. I don't need
0: 2019 Alabama versus Texas A&M. Spoiler, but, uh, Texas A&M gets their ass kicked. When I turned it on, I thought it was the Johnny Football game because I thought it was twenty fourteen or whatever. I just read it wrong. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, here's a good game instead of just some random crap from last year." ESPN, like you have all these resources. You've done a good they, like. Like I thought, the Masters rebroadcast they had where they brought Tiger on on Sunday in Jim. Mm-hmm. I didn't get on. to get to see that, but I heard it was good. Oh yeah, it was. I I, I probably watched like an hour of it. It was really cool. CBS, they've done really well pulling some old classic games. I'm sure you watch plenty of those March Madness games. But with these football games, like, the, I mean, give me the old school um, Oklahoma and uh, Brian Bosworth getting kicked off the field to play the Miami. What, right, yes. You back yes. in their heyday But You have rights to all these games. Play them. And, and, hell, even in those old games, I wouldn't mind watching the entire old broadcast. Um, Nick,
1: the best thing about watching these old games, especially some of the ones I've gone back to watch on YouTube in the 90s, are the damn graphics.
0: The oh, graphics the alone, are,
1: are, yeah, The intro and like the in-game graphics <laughs> that they use. Oh, they're incredible. The, uh, they use the, uh, they'll use the play chart where they, they split the field in thirds, and they'll show you where the, the oh, quarterback's been passing, and there'll be these big <laughs> green Xs oh, or, or, or green great. circles. I mean, they're just – I love and the, the keys to the game. You know the cheap, the cheap graphic with two, three. <laughs> oh, and it's what, what like whoever world runs world. for the most yards is going to win. Whoever wins the, the, uh, the kicking bud- game. I mean, just generic stuff, man. It's awesome.
0: What was the bud? The Louisville Budweiser. Key oh to yes, the bud-
1: <laughs> that, <laughs> like that was a, the
0: Budweiser six pack to the um, success or something. I am pulling like up that.
1: right quick. Louisville's Budweiser game plan: transition defense. Handle pressure slash good looks. Keep Rebels off rim. him. <laughs> but, yes, we just stuff like that, man. It's We need more of that in a quarantine. I will say
0: that. Okay. All right. I have another huge takeaway. Um, I watched this game actually in the hospital. It was my son's first college football game. And it's the college football game that's proclaimed as the greatest college football game of all time. And in hindsight, it is, man, that game is so romanticized. Like, (laughs) it is so over-romanticized. And partially, I blame this all on Dan Fouts for being terrible at his job. (laughs) What a garbage broadcaster. Ruined Keith Jackson's last call. Yo, he completely ruined it. Just steps all over it. And, like... Here's the thing, ABC, if you've got a dry voice like Keith Jackson, you need a little bit of an animated personality next to him, not Dan frickin' Fouts. Give me a freaking break. And you know what? As soon as that aired, I think everybody was sitting back watching it. They are like, God, this guy sucks. And you know what? CBS fired him a week later. They did. I did see that. <laughs> it was worth it because he was terrible. And on top of all of that, too, just the game in general, Like the one part that isn't over-romanticized is like, how stunning it was that that USC team lost because they were just so much better than everybody else. But as far as like actual gameplay, like Vince Young, he was doing stuff that we see every Saturday in college football now. Yeah, but you have to remember then it was just different, you know? Exactly. Defenses just didn't know how to like compute some of that back then. But like now I'm like, shit, Jalen Hurts did that all day, every day running around Fools.
1: Was Will Muschamp their defensive coordinator for that game? I'm looking that up right now.
0: Man, young Mac Brown's kind no. Of he was he was not. That. He came
1: to Texas a couple years after that. I think Chiswick was their defensive coordinator.
0: Yeah, I th- Texas really didn't have that many big NFL guys on that team either. Like, well, that's that's Brian Arakpo was a freshman. You know, like that's the point. I'm, Aaron
1: Ross team. was a corner who ended up playing for a long time in the NFL. Yeah. Um, but the point was just the build up for that game was because for about three, four, five years prior to that, Bob Stoops got to Oklahoma, and Oklahoma was kind of punk in Texas, and they couldn't beat – they just couldn't get – Texas couldn't get past Oklahoma there for a little bit. And finally, Vince Young came, and they got – the year before in 2004, they got past Oklahoma. I believe they won the Big 12. They went to the Rose Bowl because USC was in the national championship, and they beat Michigan. So then, like, Vince Young becomes, like, this star at the end of 2004, and everybody's looking at him the next season. But at the same time, there's this USC juggernaut where the year before in '04, i I'm trying to think if Bush or Liner he- won the Heisman. One of them won the Heisman. They're getting everybody oh. back. They got another 1,000-yard running back in the backfield. They've got a yeah. bunch of good receivers. Defense is loaded. Smith.
0: Yeah. And, it, uh, and who, Their receivers were awesome on that the, team. And Dwayne Jarrett, like, Steve Smith. They They were like the third act. In that whole show. Because mm-hmm. was Paul Amalu on that team as well? Or was he earlier? He was, was he earlier. He was there? earlier.
1: Okay. And then Malaluga was like a freshman on that team, I think. I think Malaluga, yeah. like Clay Matthews, Brian Cushing, I'm pretty sure they were like freshmen or sophomores on that team.
0: Which is crazy.
1: <laughs> so, but that at that time, USC, they, they were the Alabama, you know, or the Clemson. I mean, that, that's who they were kicking everybody's ass for the most part. And they were, the, they were like, the king of the sport, but Texas had – had they had the equalizer, in number 10, and he – he they lit up the Big 12, they ran the table, they go to the Heisman, he doesn't win the Heisman, and the story of was like, you know, that just pissed – that really – Texas says that's the reason they won the game. If They say if Vince Young would have won the Heisman, they probably don't win it, but that was just like this big motivating factor for them, and mm-hmm. it was like the dual – this dual threat kind of era where – you had to defend in space, and Young was just, you know, at the end, in the end of the game. USC got a little gassed; they were on the, their defense on the field a little too much. Offense just made one or two mistakes, and Texas made them pay and and won the game in you know thrilling fashion. There, the fourth quarter was awesome.
0: Well, and and uh, another part of it too—they were going for the three P, and I'm looking, and I. I have no. I'm. I'm. I'm scrolling through national champions, and I mean, I, I'm going all the way back to Minnesota in 1936 for a three Peter, and that was chosen by I don't even know who these organizations are. So like, that hadn't happened. I remember they had the three Pete trademarked, and it was three P-E-T, Pete P E T P E T
1: E. Yeah, um, I remember I mean, that too. Right.
0: Yeah, and we're and we're just doing like what the the thirty for thirty Troy did. I mm-hmm. believe that was the name of it. Like. They were the cheat code that you couldn't play for in that college football video game because Matt Leonard Matt and Reggie Bush were the biggest stars in the sport. Mm-hmm. It's really a shame they weren't better professionally, but like that game's hype and just the fact that it ended, I think they were down like maybe like 10. They had two scores in the final, like three or four minutes, right. Texas did to yeah. win the game. And so here's my question to you, like it? Should Pete Carroll, he, he went for on that fourth and inches, should he have and made Vince Young go 100 yards or was going for it. No, I still right think choice. that you coach the win there. I don't think it really – I think Vince Young was
1: scoring a touchdown no matter what. So Yeah,
0: I, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. But in, in really the funniest part of that entire game, though, is like as great as the end was, the beginning was so bad because USC was like they were going to run all over them. Mm-hmm. And Reggie Bush just throws it over his head for no reason at all. Mm-hmm. He tries to do the little lateral thing. Like, You're right, right. That? USC just – they had – they tried – they had some hero plays
1: in that game from coaching standpoint and mm-hmm. player standpoint they got a, a little out of hand and they just you know Texas just hung around and ended up winning the it's for me it's the best game I've ever seen.
0: Well and the, the like you said the unbelievability of it was incredible at the time. Mm-hmm. But it just the way that football was played back then versus it now. Looks like
1: Nick I just looked it up. Notre Dame won three straight A P national championships 46, 47, 48. Or no, excuse oh, okay. me, no, they no, they didn't win a forty-eight. Michigan won, so they won three out of four. So yeah, I mean, you are going back a long ways trying to find a three P champion.
0: Yeah, so like that was.
1: That, well, Saban that was couldn't the, do it. I am not sure
0: anybody team. can do it. I don't know. I mean, he did three out of four. Um, hell, even they lost the Iron Bowl once, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and now in the playoff era, I don't think we're gonna get it. And that's it's probably for the best. Ne- Nebraska came.
1: Tough. Nebraska came close there in the nineties. Yeah. 93 team, I believe, they lost to Florida State in the national championship. And then they went and won in 94-95. So they were close.
0: And I think in 88, didn't Notre Dame – no, they beat Nebraska, right? Notre Dame beat Nebraska. Because Miami won two out of three in that term. I was thinking they might have beaten Miami. That was the
1: Catholics versus convicts game that
0: year, I think. In 88? I think so. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was Catholics versus convicts. Yeah, so, like – the, Miami got close to it, too, but that third, third time's a charm. Mm-hmm. Stuff, third time's a charm. Okay, I ha- and I had one more random takeaway. I want to hear if you have any random ones, too. But this is just a very, in general, like, on all UK matters, like, Kentucky's just got to deliver some freaking daggers. That Citrus ball Cats controlled the entire game. They won by three points. What mm-hmm. the hell? Like, no business being in that game. And and you know what? I, I'm not going to lie like it. I was supposed to be like, hey, you have a newborn. Let's stay off your phone. But Cal was live tweeting that 2012 title game, and he was talking about going into grind it out mode with eight minutes to go. And he was like, I knew we could do it because we were better defense. I'm like, well, who, I don't care if you knew you could win with it. Don't do it. It's stupid. What, grind it out mode is playing not to lose. Go yeah. for the kill, damn it. Oh. <laughs> if you
1: got the better <sighs> players, you probably should just play in a, a type of game that gets you as many possessions as possible to limit well, to limit uh, a couple bad possessions. Play as many possessions yes. as possible if you got the best players. But
0: well, and and I in, in in the football team's standpoint, like I get it, you're going to do it more often when you got ball control offense. But like, because like that was their game plan for the most part anyway. But. I, I think in that Citrus Bowl, we could all feel them kind of let off the gas after Benny's touchdown. But,
1: yeah, but, but watching the game live from the stands, that's the first thing I said about the game was like, I thought like Kentucky really kind of controlled that. And then the fourth quarter, they just kind of, you know, right. You, they let the foot off the gas. And then you have to think Penn State has their foot all the way on the gas. And they're, they're opening up the offense and they're just throwing it around because they know they have to come back. And then Kentucky gets that three and out the worst time possible. And so it becomes a lot closer than you really than it really needed to be. But I but like you said, that's what that's kind of stoops' MO is this ball yeah. control kind of offense. And it can be hard to blow teams out like that when you're limited possessions because it limits it limits the room for error on on the other team's side, but it also limits your room for error too.
0: And it's just for me, like and... I, I know there's, like you just explained it in more detail, but there's just a natural, like, damn it, you're the better team. Just go out and finish kicking their ass. Like, mm-hmm. it's Mortal Kombat. Finish them, you know? Like, And that's the part that just some of these old games, I'm like, just do it. <laughs> just get it. Right, Put them right. out of their misery. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that Kansas National Championship game, like, it's kind of nice watching that game stress-free. Because right. I, I really well, didn't. If I really Yelkers doesn't get that block, I
1: mean, that would have... Yeah, Kentucky yeah. was never losing that game, but if he doesn't block that shot, then, I mean, it could have got really, really too close for comfort there. Well, if you really want to break it down.
0: And I I watched the end of that Memphis game that Cal blew it. And, yeah. You know, Cal blew it. And that, I mean... That was more, I, though. They That team was an awful free-throw shooting team, and they just couldn't make free throws. And... Yeah, yeah. But they were the better team, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the right. entire time. But I, I just... I think I was having those memories during that Kansas game because Cal hadn't won one yet. And it's like, oh, God, not Kansas again. And even though I hated that Derrick Rose team, I, I just I did not like them whatsoever. I didn't like Cal that much until he got here. Like, well, let's be honest here. Um, we're, we're in the trust tree. But I was happy they blew that game. Even so, their lead, they were up by like nine. He was be- Derrick Rose was hitting fadeaway bank shots from like 18 feet with four minutes ago, and they still lost like that. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, like like, do you got any any random thoughts from any of these old games?
1: I know. I keep finding myself going back and watching this Kentucky Louisville football game though from this past season <laughs> because it, <laughs> you're just like a good old fashioned asshole. It, it, was, it was the damnedest thing, man. Just seeing, uh, just. Seeing a team make a, their rival quit in a game that their rival entered thinking that they were going to win. I, I mean, that was just – and by doing it, by just running the football. I mean, I thought that like, like Kentucky was going to have their way and win by double digits. I didn't think they were going to put up, what was it, like 15 yards per play or something stupid.
0: Yeah, I think 13.7 or something mm-hmm. crazy like that. <laughs> did you um? Did you happen to read Alex Kirchner's uh, Lynn Bowden article? I haven't read it yet. Today? I didn't see he put that up. So for uh, we might have even talked about it on the podcast at the time, but we were um standing next to Kirchner when he was. It was during Bowden's media rounds at the combine, and it was. The article just kind of goes into detail about just how st- stupid and crazy and rare of a breed that Lynn Bowden is, but that, you know, that's kind of like the ideal person for some NFL offensive coordinators now. It's just somebody you can throw out anywhere and he's mm-hmm. just a ball player. Positionless football. Well, it, it was funny though during that interview, just asking him like very bluntly, like, I know this sounds like a very dumb question, but like, how did you do that? Just, it was just like the most like basic, it was like asking a five-year-old a question, like, or, or a five-year-old asking an adult a question. Like, how did you make that sandwich? Like, I know I'm seeing it and I can see you doing this, but like, it's it needs to be explained further because it's incredible. This sandwich is delicious. It's spectacular. It's got pickles on it too. What? Lynn Bowden is pickles, spicy mustard, mayonnaise. And you know what? Let's throw a little bit of, a little bit of relish on there too. And maybe, maybe two different kinds of cheese, a little provolone, a little Munster. You know what? Heck, let's get some pepper Jack cause he's extra spicy. That's mm-hmm. Lynn Bowden all in a nutshell. And it was just hilarious to like, Lynn Lin- is not exactly the most eloquent of speakers and Kirsten just being like, well dude, like, but how? And he's like, well, I mean, have you seen me? <laughs> like just went out there and played and, I think that's um, that's going to be, as we've seen in, in the lead-up to the draft, all of the, the journos who are watching from afar love just watching this dude do crazy things on tape.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is, is from just a respect standpoint, I think Kentucky gets their coaches get a lot of kudos for doing what they did. And then just seeing Bowden kind of – operate in a game like when you turn on the tape I mean it's really cool I mean it's cool to see and and it helps at Kentucky that they got to end the year with some run defenses that weren't very good you know when you look at Vanderbilt UT Martin
0: and
1: we forget the UT Martin Do you remember the first two plays of that game
0: they, uh, they were safeties, right? Yeah, they Double snapped.
1: Safety? One was a safety, one was a touchdown. They snapped it over the guy's head twice in
0: a row. Oh man, we almost got a four nothing score. Yeah. that would've been electric. We needed. We should do an oral history on that. <laughs> <laughs> and you had a little Petrino coaching. Yeah. With um.
1: Oh, and the the weather that day was probably worse than it was for the next week.
0: You know, like it, when we look back on that year what a weird just my good <laughs> to go from like historic josh allen benny snell like some of the best players to ever play their positions at the program to then like having just the most backassward season ever <laughs> with just rain no. and like my goodness like it was like yakety sacks were playing but yet kentucky wasn't the one with the egg on their face at the end they ended up winning and it's It's kind of like what I'm doing. Like, we're like every few days, I'll just be like, "Wow, I created another human! Like, this is my human, and I can't believe this is real." It's kind of what we're going to be doing with this football season for years to come. Like that happened. Like, Kentucky won eight games with a receiver playing quarterback. I remember sitting in the box
1: on Jared Lorenzen Day with you and Tyler. And us all looking at each other when it, I think Arkansas was up like ten nothing or whatever middle of the second mm-hmm. quarter.
0: Marquise Boyd scored like the second play of the game, first
1: play of the game, yeah. And we're just looking at each other like, oh, this don't look good. <laughs> and they flipped it in the second half, and they just kind of took off from there, man. And it was a fun ride there to the end of the season. Even like going down to Georgia, like I didn't know what to expect, man, because they were like, it was piss raining. They were going to mm-hmm. try to run this offense against a defense that, that they really couldn't. At best, that for the most part, it was going to be a stalemate at the line. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, like, right. it was going to be tough. And they they hung in there. But that was the moment, I think, that I knew. I was like, hold on a minute. They could really do some stuff here. If, that, if that's the defense, I know the conditions and whatnot, but, like, they were winning the battle at at the point of attack on defense, and they were flying around and making some plays. I knew, like right then, I was like, "If that's the defense they're getting, they might be able to do something here at Tennessee." This this, this this could work. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, right. And they ended up doing something. They won eight games, hit the hit the over for the win total. And lucky is that three or four years in a row now that Kentucky's hit the win total. It's got to be four, right? Yeah, they hit
1: it in 16, I, hit it in 18 and 19. The only question will be 17. I think it was like sitting there at 6, six and a half. If it, As long as it didn't hit 7, they've hit it every year.
0: Yeah, and this year it's this, 7 again. Yeah, there's more it,
1: value on it this year, man. Nick, I want to tell you a little yeah. exercise I did. Oh, awesome. a
0: little exercise. Okay.
1: I do this every year season totals come out. And remember last year we released our season totals. I think I went dude, 8 and 2 dude, or 9 and 1. one. Yeah. So this, I think of all the things I do from a game perspective, this is probably the best thing I do. So pretty much I write out the schedules. I pick winners and losses, winners and losers for each game, and then I kind of I base that number I get and see if there's any value on, on whether to play at each side.
0: It's kind of how I used to do with S&P Plus and ones. Like where's the big discrepancy, right. and then I'm going to go for that. Where's the you big know? biggest margin for room to wiggle in? Yes, yes. But now Vegas they're getting a little bit wiser mm-hmm. with those analytics too. But so, uh, where where did you find some discrepancy, Mr. Lockett? Well,
1: anyway, I told myself going into this, I was like I'm not going to have Kentucky win the east. Like I'm not I'm not going to do I'm going to do kind of conservative. I'm not going to I'm I'm not going to do it. But I'll be damned if factor <laughs> that exercise, I didn't write them off at 10 and 2. <laughs> oh, I love it because I man, it. I just I kind of think I try to think like how this is going to break out, and I really do deep in my soul believe they're either going to get Florida and Gainesville or Auburn on the plains. They're going to get one of those. Yes.
0: And my my feeling is Auburn, just because Auburn's good one year, bad uh-huh. the next, and uh, you know they're pretty good last year. And
1: then I look at the rest of the schedule, like Eastern Michigan, Kent State. They're both you know double digit at least, at least three touchdowns. Is probably better than. South Carolina comes into town. I I think they're going to be fine there, obviously. They go to Auburn. Then they get a nice little break, Eastern Illinois. You get Vanderbilt at home. Vanderbilt's going to be really bad, it's looking like. The offense is going to really stink. You go to Missouri. Missouri's in a transition year. I think Missouri's not going to be very good. So that's not like a daunting road trip or anything. Nope. You go to Tennessee. That's one I'm like until they beat Tennessee, I'm just like, I've got to
0: see it kind of thing. I'm with you. That just going to Neelon. That just place just screams but a, suck. But there. after
1: that, I think they're kind of the perfect team ready to take on a leech, the uh, offense because of their their pass defense. I mean, their pass defense should be one of the best in the country, uh, this, this next year. And then if you get to that point, then you're looking at like you're looking at you're sitting there at eight and two. Georgia is coming into town, like. Like it's just time, like, like how could you not pick them to win that when you get that far? You know what I'm saying,
0: right? So right. that's
1: like the scenario. And then I was like, well, if, the, if they beat Georgia, they sure as hell ain't losing to Louisville next week. The week before going to Atlanta, that would just be the worst thing ever.
0: Right, right. Well, and and even in all of this, they're at least at seven. Like, yeah, come well, on. Uh, <laughs> I found the most value in the SEC for
1: what I've done so far on on Kentucky. And then I've got a couple other ones I like. We can get to those if we want. South
0: Carolina is only at five and a
1: half, five and a half. Yeah, that's one I have. Them, a lot of these SEC ones are really good. Like Auburn's eight and a half. They're either going. They're either winning eight or nine. Like they're going to fall right in, on one side of the number.
0: A and M all the way up to nine and a half mm-hmm. though. And going. Jimbo going gonna, to do it this year. That's another team, man. You look at this schedule, like. Let me pull it up here. You know how I know your football guy look at because you're using actual pieces of paper <laughs> to pull this stuff.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I gotta have something to keep me
0: busy, man. I mean,
1: you just look at the schedule like non non conference. It's Abilene Christian, North Texas, Colorado, and Fresno State all at home. They got eight. They got let's see here, one, two, three, four, five. seven home games. But then one their other home game isn't. Dallas against Arkansas. Arkansas is rebuilding. Mm-hmm. So, like, their road trips are Mississippi State. They should win that one. Auburn, 50-50 game that the road team usually always wins. At South Carolina, at Alabama. Yeah. So, they don't play Alabama and LSU to the last two weeks of the season. So, I mean, you're potentially looking at a year where a and M's in the top five, you know, all season, if they can win at Auburn.
0: Man, I just I, I love just thinking about how bad South Carolina can be this year.
1: Yeah, I could definitely see that falling off the tracks. No <laughs> <I> doubt <know laughs> about that. Recommit but, to the run game. But one thing they did well there this year, excuse me, is just the non-conference schedule was manageable. All three are all three are in at home, and all three they're going to be double-digit favorites. Favorites in, unlike what they've done in the past, playing some neutral site games. Oh, man. In Tennessee, I noticed this. Tennessee goes to Oklahoma. Week two, I think. They go to Oklahoma? Mm Mm-hmm. Damn. So, we'll find out about one pretty fast. They have Oklahoma week two, Florida week four. Yeah.
0: You know, the thing that's – I mean, it ended up not being the case last year because they either got benched or got hurt. But, like, last year, we at least had a good idea of the quarterback um, picture. You know, Um, that's
1: another thing. Did you Man. see what Jordan Rogers said the other day on the on the little SEC like Facebook show they're doing?
0: No, I I, I didn't. But I I might steal his thunder by saying if there's one thing that's going to hurt all this time being away, it's less about like weight training. It's more about just quarterback playing. Teams of quarterback competitions. How do you figure that out away from well, campus? Just you know?
1: take all that out. Just the SEC in general. Like he said, Kellen Mond's the top quarterback in the SEC.
0: God, that's it, gross. And he it, sucked for a lot of last year. He was disappointing in my opinion.
1: And who who here in our footprint would trade Terry Wilson for Kill straight up? I nobody. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like there's there's probably <laughs> one or two quarterbacks I would trade in the SEC for I would trade Terry away for. That's one's the Alabama freshman that I'm really high on that I think
0: is gonna be yeah. the best quarterback.
1: And that's one he might be the only one now that I think about it.
0: Yeah, because like I don't want Trask and Eddie Grant's offense. You know, I want somebody who move around a little bit. Right. He would probably be your second best. Right. SEC quarterback. Right. Like, there's just not the depth isn't there this year like it was a year ago, and so that's where Kentucky is going to have an advantage because at least they know who their guy is, and we don't have to do all of this. Like, we're not going to be writing about a quarterback competition mm-hmm. once a day. You know, well, seven you, days a week. We were out.
1: projecting this season particular as being the year. You were hoping Terry had, you know, he had the starter season, he had the junior year where he could make a, you know, a jump, and then another year where he can make another jump. That was kind of a limit. The injury kind of took that off the table, which sucks. So now right. you're in there in a season where first he, he's got to build, the, you know, the trust back in his knee before he can ever, you know, he's got to do that first. He's got to be able to be comfortable out there before he can make the plays he needs to be able to make. Right. And when you look at the roster, man, like – it seems pretty set in stone that the starters at receiver are going to be Ali and Daly on the outside, and then Cleavon Thomas and in the slot, and then yep, that's who's going to start. And then how with how the rotation shakes out will be Herman in camp.
0: But those are the three guys. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, there's the three, and then everybody else. And
1: all those guys have been in the program. Two of them been in the program for four years. The other two have been in the program. The off specifically Eddie Grant's offense. This is his mm-hmm. third year. Now, they've had multiple position coaches, but in the program, in the in the scheme, like they're – like, and coming off a year where they didn't get the ball thrown to them, they – to put it bluntly, they need to be chomping at the bit ready to get going. It's kind of a prove-it year for all of them. And you're getting oh, a quarterback it, back. Exactly. Like there's no real excuses, man. You know, you look at it. You look at a guy like Keaton Upshaw, he's a walking mismatch, I think, and he's going to be a real – Key part to the offense, I think, this year when how they use him and try to get some one-on-one situations with him because he's going to be a tough cover if they align him in the different spots correctly. And then you look the offensive line; they're just going to be able to lean on a lot of people and create, you know, just traditional running lanes. And so, if you can find if Terry can become that playmaker for you at quarterback, I think because that's who I think it has to be for the offense. I think you could really have something special this year, but. I think a lot of it rides on Terry. He's got the you know, he's got the experience. He's got the whole line around him. He's got the running game. But he needs to become, I think, the guy for the offense. Like, he needs to become the playmaker, you know, the the difference maker on the team. It's been Benny. It's been Lynn. It's been the offensive line. But now I think it has to be Terry. And that's why I hate it for him that he missed last year because I thought that would have been good to get, you know, a bunch more snaps and reps under his belt for this huge senior season.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh man, uh, it and it's one of those things that you just. It would have been nice too to have him get some time to kind of get his legs underneath him, no pun intended, uh, and get some more reps with him. But you know what? Yeah, it's better than uh, where a lot of those other SEC schools are at trying to like. Mm-hmm. You really think you're you're confident in Jaron Garantano going out there, or right. God knows who else? Jeremy Pruitt's got to throw out there. Danny Clark might be starting uh, for Vanderbilt, man. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, Vandy. But yeah, There's like, being Vandy.
1: you look at the – court. like, I wouldn't take Trask over Terry. Like, well, you look at some of these – court. Jamie Newman, I wouldn't take him over Terry Wilson. Like, I think – Ooh, like, ooh I think he we, put
0: up good numbers in the ACC. That's so tough.
1: I think we could have a legit argument that says, like, like, if we're tearing these quarterbacks in the SEC right now, and you're telling me that I can't put Bryce Young in there at all, I might just have eight quarterbacks in tier one. Because they're all like the same to me right now. Like, no one's that much above the other. It's kind of just like a – it's kind of a mess, to be honest. And and it could be a year where the team that win, wins the league or wins the two divisions, it's just – it's the surrounding parts, you know, the the cast, not necessarily the quarterback. Where those last couple of years with Burrow and Tua, it's been, you know, the quarterback that that's won it. Maybe it might just be – Old school kind of SEC football.
0: Oh man, and and it's it's like, it's
1: not, if that's the case, if all the quarterbacks are pretty average, they have a shot. If they, especially if this is the year that they can take the offensive jump and maybe improve that passing game, they, they're going to have a real shot.
0: I just like that there for about ten minutes. I felt like I just let you off the reins, and you just like you're like a wild horse who just they've been trying to tame you. And you're just like, damn it, I gotta run free. Just let me run. And that was you running right there. Nick, I feel so weird, man, because like usually like,
1: like when the tournament comes, I'm all in on the tournament. I'm focused on basketball. And then after that, you have the basketball recruiting. So like the grad transfers, the stuff like that, the masters, I get into that. And then after that, usually, then I'm like, okay. That's when, you know, the, the win totals come out. Then I start slowly diving into this well i, I just had, i've NFL had four weeks it. of free time to not do anything so i've just been kind of <laughs> like phil still needs to release his magazine in may like what the hell are we waiting on he's had three or four <laughs> weeks like i need that it, like give me i
0: need it just give it to me oh man that's awesome that's awesome well next week we got the nfl draft and i'm not entirely sure what we're gonna do for it but we're gonna do something because it's uh, it's the closest thing to football we're gonna have this. Close thing with sports. We're gonna have for the foreseeable future. I'm excited so, to see uh, how this is gonna go
1: with these guys I, using these uh, virtual draft. Man. man, they're just begging hope, to be
0: hacked. Man. Oh man, I hope begging. we have like a, a Laramie Tonsil situation, except with like a college football coach, like or not a, like an NFL coach, like peeing into like a dip spitter, or like Tom Herman did, flicked off the camera and on, on signing day. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and he's like, oh, I apologize. apologize." (laughs) Shut up, Tom. (laughs) Just shut up. Um, But that'll be exciting. The draft starts Thursday next week. We'll have a podcast after you Tuesday, maybe something more. We're still trying to figure all that out. Um, But we got to end the show with a big congrats to our guy, Austin McGinnis. How about it, man? He's going to be an L.A. Ram. What if McGinnis, he could, in in theory, he could open up that new football stadium? Oh, that thing's going to be it's old. a palace right yeah it's going to be incredible so uh he, he's going to be competing with a kid from the cfl um that they signed as well i saw that um, i saw, they saw i
1: saw they signed
0: two kickers so interesting strategy. congrats to austin he's getting his shot um making the 90-man roster who knows when he'll actually get to compete and and go up you know and actually do that (laughs) um
1: well i'm assuming he's getting
0: those nfl checks now so or actually i don't know how that works
1: because nfl they get paid on sundays i'd assume he got some type of signing bonus or something
0: well they're doing the virtual otas Mm -hmm. so i'm sure you'll get he'll get paid for that even if it is just like like what does a kicker do during virtual otas yeah see i don't know like that's a good question like these
1: these guys they bring in for camp and don't make the team, like the rest of the guys get paid on Sundays. But, like, where does, I guess they give them a lump sum when they're done with camp or something, like time served, or I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know.
0: But, you know, we something can, you could ask often know, we, on the, uh, I was going to say, we on know a podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Well, like, it, it's, it feels good to get back in the saddle. Uh, um, i you know, figuring things out um slowly but surely getting back into the groove of this thing um and it's exciting we're gonna have plenty of exciting stuff uh coming your way i think we're gonna do the the cool thing is to bucket is we can we couldn't do it this time but we can take over that zoom account we can just talk football with the fans too we can do a lot of cool stuff Uh, even though virtual q a yeah why not we kind of a
1: with it, the idea but maybe that's the way we do it go all in do a virtual, virtual Q&A that might be the way to hell go hell
0: yeah why why the hell not what, what do we got to lose and you know what I'm, I'm growing out my mustache so I'll, I'll make sure it's in full <laughs> dick uh, fact but oh I'll my hair my day. hair
1: is getting long brother I probably should have I, went, though, went and got a clip before uh, everything shut down Sick brag Sick
0: brag bro <laughs> oh my god
1: <laughs> <laughs> if I was in
0: person I wouldn't have said that but I'm not in person oh, my, god. my bad man Oh man! All right. Well, Luckett, thanks for doing this again. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, it's been a fun. It's been fun to get back in the saddle with Eleven Personnel, and we'll be back with you next week to get you ready for the NFL Draft. An online edition of Eleven Personnel. Even though we're far apart, still go Cats and safely go Kroger.